Welcome to Matter of Fat, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and just consistently a little sweaty. I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Soraya Bogani. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, Minneapolitan millennial who just wants you to know that you're doing great, sweaty. <laughs> We're here to talk about the cultural politics of fat bodies in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the greater Midwest. Yeah, our Q&A episode was so much fun, and now we're back for another full episode for y'all. Ooh, let's get it started with the, the fat, fat dish. dish. It's time for the fat dish where we share our dish about what's going on in our community. In this episode, our smorgasbord of <laughs> local events and personal newsworthy dish is a little heavy on personal dish and a typically Midwestern discussion of the heat and the gosh darn humidity. Y'all sound the alarms. It's hot girl summer. Yes. If you're not familiar with the term hot girl summer, it comes from H-Town artist, not Beyonce, but Megan the Stallion. So let's just go to the Twitter. Okay. Let's go to let's the Twitter. Do, what does so Megan saying? says, being a hot girl, capital H, capital G, is about being unapologetically you. Having fun, being confident, living your truth, and being the life of the party, etc. Sign me up. Exactly. So... It's like the once popular concept of BDE or big dick energy. <laughs> you don't need to have an enlarged member or be considered hot, quote unquote hot, right, to partake in BDE or hot girl summer, respectively. Um, I've fully rerouted this conversation uh, from humidity that Kat introed us into to talk about pop culture, which is very on brand. Very on brand. Thank you. But if you've questioned if you can partake in hot girl summer, I want you to know that now is the time. Also... Global climate change is helping us out because it's too darn hot, y'all. I walked outside the other day and said out loud, oh, no, oh, no, this is not okay. This just <laughs> won't do. I turned like 70 years old automatically. I love it. Um, it's been really hot here in Minnesota lately and probably in other parts of the country and the world as well. And shoot, we took to the we took to the social media. We asked our friends and fans Facebook group for ideas on how to stay cool in the summer. And they had some great suggestions. So um, folks suggested lots of things, including popsicles, frozen gogurt, eating all of the cool things. They suggested keeping hydrated. Very important. Very drinking important. all the water. Someone suggested, like mentioned a friend, you puts rose water spray in the Ooh. fridge. And then when she comes home, like mists herself with it. That sounds, sounds I need like to do luxurious. Luxur it's luxurious. honestly, you know, some people keep their like um, their makeup and like facial products in a little refrigerator in their bathroom. So it sort of it feels like that a little bit, too. Okay. Um, also suggested were instant ice packs, the ones that kind of pop. You I've know? never heard of those before. We are, I assume they pop. You like crack them and they get cold. It's like, like, it's a, hot like pack. a hot pack. Yeah. But for huh. cold. Mm-hmm. Learn something new every day. Also, just discussion about like lighter clothes. And one person mentioned that they always wear a sun hat. For me, I would say the two things I do, like in addition to, to these awesome suggestions, um, I like to be in the water. I think it really like cools. Well, I know it really works to effectively cool down your body temperature. Um, last year, I really struggled. Like there was a, a moment, a month where the shop didn't have AC yet and I didn't have AC yet. Mm. And I was just like always hot all the time. I was like, couldn't cool down. I could never cool down. Um, and so hot girl summer. It was, yeah. Megan took I was it there you. before I even realized <laughs> that it wasn't cool or cute. It was just <laughs> really hot. Living your truth. Um, yeah. So now the shop has an AC, um, thankfully. And I have a little, a little window unit in my bedroom, thankfully. Um, but I still have been going in the water to really cool down and I love it. Another thing I've been doing is just going braless more often. Um, I think it's just like, it helps me stay cool and comfy. I got some tube tops with shelf bras in them. Remember shelf bras from like 12 years Remember ago? Remember tube tops? Okay. <laughs> well, I, I love them both. Um, and because it's like for me, um, when I think about going braless, I'm like, oh no, it's not comfy. There's like a lot of sweat going places. But with that shelf bra is just supportive and absorbing. And I am a comfy lady. So um, braless in my shelf bra tube top that's another suggestion i have <laughs> i it just makes me think of luann from king of the hill oh my gosh so <laughs> how dare you no i mean it's a high high compliment oh wait luann's the daughter not the yeah, mom right oh, yeah, okay i'll not take that Peggy. I'll <laughs> anyways uh my tips cat covered so many great ones folks on facebook covered so many great ones honestly 
find some public spaces that have AC. So not everyone has central air or can afford to run it or choose to limit their central air or air use due to environmental impact. There's Mm -hmm. lots of reasons. I fall into various levels of those categories and have really enjoyed using coffee shops, libraries, and other public spaces to work on homework. Oh, yeah. When I don't want to be in my apartment. I'm on the third floor. I have a unit in my bedroom. Like, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't vacillate to vacillate i don't know the word for it but it just the airflow is not there folks Mm -hmm. that's all i'm trying to say um also socially hit up a movie theater get like dinner at a fun stuff oh we're going to a movie in a couple of days we're gonna see book smart again Again, i'm already excited we're not being paid for this at all we just (laughs) truly it's a great film um and then also spending time outside. I think it's really important to mm. be outside. I get a lot of joy of being in nature or like as close to it as you can in the city. Yeah. Uh, like a couple weekends ago, I celebrated my friend's birthday. We went to a farmer's market. She had a huge picnic at Gold Medal Park all day on oh. a Saturday. We just lounged outside, goofed around, hung out in the shade. It was a hot mm-hmm. day, but we had lots of treats, lots of water. It was ideal. And you said something that I really liked, which was just, like, being honest, like, checking in with yourself and kind of being honest about how you feel. Yeah, I don't think I said that yet, but, like, oh, sorry, you, you want to check in about that. I just wanted to make sure you didn't forget it, because no. that was my favorite part. Oh, you were getting there. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good, because at any point, whether it's going for a tube top look or, like, enjoying a warm day outside, <laughs> yeah. just checking in with yourself. Yeah. Are you, do you need some water? Great. Do you need to go inside, even though everybody's hanging outside? Do that. Take care of yourself. That's what's most important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been hot, it's been humid, but I think it's been good. The summer's been really good so far. Yeah, of course it's been. You just got back from vacation. (gasps) Yes, I did. You have teased us about this vacation for so long. I I think, please put us out of our misery and just tell us about it. Okay, I'm very excited to share about my vacation after a short break. Oh my God. Community radio is important, y'all. Do you think we could have just bebopped into any old radio station and used their space to make a podcast? No. July 31st to August 6th, 2019 is KFAI's Summer Pledge Drive, and we're hoping our matter-of-fat listeners will consider contributing. KFAI is a volunteer-based community radio station that exists to broadcast information, arts, and entertainment programming for an audience of diverse racial, social, and economic backgrounds. They're here to help provide a voice for people ignored or misrepresented by mainstream media. Um, that's us! Folks in larger bodies are constantly ignored or misrepresented by mainstream media. And our little podcast at this little community radio station is a way of pushing back. Contribute to KFAI to support this mission for us and for everyone misrepresented or underrepresented in media. You can donate at kfai.org. Be sure to write in Matter of Fat when you select the program. Also, hey, hey, businesses and brands, did you know that when you support Matter of Fat, a portion of that sponsorship gets directly donated to KFAI? An investment in us also helps support community radio. And we are back. Kat has left us with bated breath. She was about to fill us in on her vacation. What did you yes. do? Okay, I went on what I would qualify as a pretty epic road trip. Epic. I, Movies will be made about this road trip. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just really, really great. Um, so I was gone for almost two weeks, one day short of two weeks. I rented a car rather than driving my own. And when I turned it in, they told me that I was 100 miles away from driving 5,000 miles. So almost, so nearly 5,000 miles on the road. That's it a was lot. so much. Yeah. So my route, or like the places I went, I basically made like an upside down triangle in the middle of the U.S. So I went from here, Minneapolis, Minnesota, to um, Montana. I went to Glacier National Park for a couple days. Okay. Then I went to Denver. Um, then I went to the Dallas, Texas area. Then I came back up, stopped in Kansas, stopped in Chicago, and then came home. Amazing. It was awesome. So... The glacier part of my trip was just by myself. Well, I mean, all of it, like, I, I went on a road trip by myself. Which, okay, so I talked to somebody about this yeah? the other day, and they're like, 
up by herself. That's yeah. very bold and brave of her. I actually got that a lot. Like when I was in di- like just like kind of random people, like this random man on the train, but not in like a weird way, but like, <laughs> oh, I saw you. You're traveling by yourself. I mean, this sounds okay. The eyes yeah, you're making at me. This is the reason me. why people don't believe no, that just you like can this go on your own. Man, <laughs> suspicious, right? Yeah. Like you don't know how people are going to yeah. act. The way but. I just set up the story sounds very, it was just like some guy lovely. and his wife. And, yeah. 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 But, um, I I think a lot of people think it's maybe weird or like un, un, presume that it might be unsafe to travel by yourself in this mm-hmm. way. Um, I mean, I was an exchange student and I've traveled alone a lot and I just I really like it mm-hmm. and I feel pretty confident and pretty safe. I'm also cautious, you know, and yeah. I um, as y'all may know, like I took a little bit of a break off of social media, but I was in touch with with friends and family about like where where I was something would have happened it would you know I would I would have been missed like we would have figured it out so what did you do when you were visiting all these places yeah okay or when Mm -hmm. you were driving yeah so I drove so I was in Montana at Glacier National Park it was beautiful and breathtaking and amazing and that was the part where I was by myself Mm -hmm. so for a couple days I was in and out of the park um, and then after Glacier, I drove to Denver to meet up with friends. So the first part was by myself, truly by myself. But then every other destination was to meet up with friends. Fun. Um, so in Denver, I met up with some friends there and was there for a couple of days. And then I went to the Dallas area to see friends. Um, and I went to grad school outside of Dallas. And I just, I love Texas. I'm always, I forget how much I like it until I'm there. And I'm just like, oh, I just feel very at home here. I like Dallas a lot. Um, and then after that, I went up to Kansas for a couple of days and then Chicago for a couple of days, uh, or I guess maybe just a day in Chicago. It felt like a couple of days. Um, and then back home here in um, in Minneapolis. That was a whirlwind. Yeah, it was great. It was so good. It was a lot of alone time, which I really liked and really value, but then also sprinkled in with like good amounts of catching up with friends, mm-hmm. old friends. Maybe Did I say a lot of the friends I hadn't caught up with in almost, and for many of them, it's been like almost two years. So Oh, sure. It was just really good to be able to reconnect and catch up and and just, you know, we love our friends. Mm -hmm. So it was good. We do love our friends. Yes. Um, Yeah, and a lot of driving. What did you do to pass the time? Well, I think we all know what I did. I listened to a lot of audiobooks. Oh, my God. (laughs) Dare you even ask? I dared and am regretting it. It's really (laughs) audiobooks. audiobooks. But in addition to that, um, I did a lot of, like, car singing. I mean, I love singing. Singing in the car is one of my favorite pastimes. What's your Um, go-to song? um, Or songs? So, a lot of show tunes. Oh, I would never have thought that, actually. So like my, I made, I, I'm a very late adopter to Spotify. Spotify's so cool because you can make your own playlists and stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, again, I know I'm so <laughs> late to this party, y'all. Um, but I, I like made a little sing along. It's just like, a, like some pop songs, some, a lot of, um, not a lot, but some songs from like my youth, like some like Avril Lavigne, oh. and, like Michelle Branch, you know, like Kelly Clarkson, you know, just like to sing along to, um, yeah, some show tunes and then some like more popular stuff. Or more like current day stuff, but uh, that's always fun. So audiobooks, sing-alongs, just a lot of like thinking, which was really nice and good mm-hmm. for me. Um, and then I enjoyed a lot of sour candy. That's sort of like my hack to like kind of help stay a little bit more awake and alert while driving. Plus, I just love sour candy, so it's a great excuse to eat a bunch of it. No five-hour energies. Oh no no no! Just some warheads. No no no! I don't even like sour straws. I, <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I drink like soda for caffeine, and I do like I'm picky. Like I'll drink the yellow Red Bulls, like the the tropical flavor Red Bull. But other than that, like I. Don't don't do and I guess I'll drink coffee but never any like intense caffeine things um which I guess Red Bull is so you know but um, <laughs> my mouth is like watering but it's not no not in a I'm good not way wanting this. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that's how I travel um but it was just oh it was so so great it was awesome it was good to be gone it's good to be back it makes me think that I need to prioritize travel more yes. and also um catch up with my friends more often because man, I got some good people in my life mm-hmm. I mean here and far and I just need to like be able to um yeah keep up with all of them yeah I missed you I missed you too I mean it was nice we see each other a lot a lot yeah so as far as recognizing that you want to spend more time with other people I think was a good example of how like we get to spend time with each other yeah but also it's nice to have that time away to miss each other yeah yeah totally Mm -hmm. um what were you up to nothing Okay, you did a couple <laughs> things. Tell the people. I sat in a corner and stared at a blank wall for two weeks until in eager anticipation for you to come back. I got fired from my job. No, okay, okay. no. What did um, you really do? 
Uh, highlights. Okay, so summer is going by very, very quickly. Yeah. I was at Target the other day uh, to get some plant pots. <laughs> okay. Planters pots. Okay, garden, Anyways, garden girl. I have a lot of plants in my apartment mm-hmm. and they're getting root bound. It's very sad. So I went, I went to Target because I knew that they had some on sale. Mm-hmm. And the section, the seasonal section where they sell these good things, uh, where I went to go find a plant uh, or like the soil and the rocks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there were pens and locker caddies and highlighters back and erasers. It's back to school time and it's heartbreaking. <laughs> and I just got shocked. I was like, <gasps> summer's over. And so I realized that I have been, you know, talking about the weather, but I haven't really been doing anything to celebrate that it's mm-hmm, summer. Mm-hmm. So what I did when you were gone, like I said earlier, I spent uh, just a Saturday outside with friends yes. picnicking and just being outside and enjoying that. And that was really lovely. Mm-hmm. And then this weekend, I actually, one of my friends is moving to Japan. And so spent another Saturday just being with friends, enjoying yeah. the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we were in a porch, but I think... That is quintessential summer for me, just mm-hmm. being somewhere and not having anything to do and having that time with people to create those memories. I love that. Mm-hmm. I When I was in Denver for like a whole day, I was with my like two of my friends that I hadn't seen in a long time. And we just like did a whole lot of nothing together. Yes. And we we're like, but that's the plan. Like the plan is just to be together. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter what we do. Like we're just here to be around each other. Yeah. Um, and that's just like kind of creating space for that is really important. So good. So yeah, I think that's mainly it. I did take up a new hobby. Oh, no. What's that? What do you mean? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting is a hobby. It's a good hobby. Yes. Okay, what's the other hobby, Soraya? Um, it's called sleepwalking. Yeah, term used loosely, hobby. All, all the kids are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's it. So I'm not going to like bore you with the details of it, and I'm sure other people have already heard about this, but... One night I went to bed and then the next morning I woke up and things were not where they were when I went to bed. Eek. Doors were closed that were open. Fans were off <sighs> that were on. Things that were charging were not plugged in to charge any longer. And it was just kind of a scary moment of like, has somebody in the house? Mm-hmm. Nobody was in the house. Um, no ghosts? I mean, that's the thing, right? It can be three different things here. Okay. It can be a person in the house. Oh, scary. Check the crawl space. Nobody's getting in through uh-huh. that bad boy. Uh ghosts or demons mm. that's fun but like nothing has happened to stir up that that's or true okay new experiences mm-hmm. third me sleepwalking yeah i think that's the safest yeah to be certain so anyway so it happened one night it's like well that was weird maybe i just like woke up i didn't really realize i was up wandering around doing things the next night I was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna change some things up here. Just make it a very comfortable space. Gonna go to bed, get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Next morning, like I wake up three hours later. Not even the next morning. I'm like really thirsty. I was like, oh, I just want some water. I wake up, things are wonky again. You are oh man. Door is open that was closed before. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like other things, like slightly disturbed. And it's like, it hasn't even been a full night. It's only been three hours. <laughs> um, so I started booby trapping my apartment to, like, like against wake yourself me up. yeah yeah i'd have to wake up to like move things or get out of doors mm-hmm. like probably not fire safety oh yeah um but yeah ever since then i haven't noticed any other things so it just happened a couple times in a row and then it hasn't been an it hasn't issue been anything yet that is wild that's why it's a hobby right like you can pick it up and put it back down you can okay. attend to it when you okay. want to sure i just want a growth mindset about this right i'm just getting into it <laughs> Um, so that's what I did when you were gone. That's the two weeks. That is amazing. You know, new hobbies, new things. You're going to need to give us an update moving forward, like if the sleepwalking resurfaces. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I did do to make it stop, quote unquote stop, was I did walk around with incense and say, get out of (laughs) here. I basically walked every corner of my apartment was like, if you're here, you don't belong here. You are not invited. Scram. And it stopped after that? Yeah. It might have been like placebo. You know what I mean? Like oh, you 100%. just felt better about it. So I then... exercised myself yeah. <laughs> is what happened. That is amazing. You are you are an amazing woman to I'm perform a multifaceted an being. I have powers beyond my control. Agree. Hard agree. Mm, yeah. But that's what's been new with me. That's all I got. Should we go on to our interview? I think it's I think it's about time to go on the interview. Let's do it. Matter. 
This episode is very special because we interviewed Aaron back on a day much chillier than today in early spring, and we've been waiting to release this for ages. Yeah, Erin and her artwork came on our radar through social media, and we were so excited to learn that she's based in the Midwest. Her art is breathtaking, and it was such a cool experience to hear more about the process. Such a great conversation. Let's get into it. Erin, we're so excited that you're with us today. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you, thank you. So we're going to start off how we always do. Please tell us your story as a matter of fat. Okay. Matter of fat, also a great name for your podcast. Thank you. Love it. Love it very much. Also, I didn't mention this. I love your logo, the um, uh, Venus of Bullendorf. That's inspiration. Yeah. She's the jam, and I love uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. <laughs> love that so much. With my art history nerd self is like very pleased with that. <laughs> um, anyway, um, as a matter of fat, I guess I would kind of think about my roots with my family and kind of our culture with food growing up and um, especially on my dad's side and on my mom's side there's just a lot of larger people like mm-hmm. st- sturdy midwest folk mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Norwegians and all that sort and food was a big like love language for us and I think for most families it is no matter what culture you're from right like food is kind of where you connect and um I was just used to seeing those bodies around me all the time. And then growing up and going to school, the friends I made were not my size. And realizing that I was really different size than everybody else. I was taller. I was bigger. I was stronger than a lot of the guys in my classes and a lot of the girls I was around. (laughs) Um, And it just took me a long time to feel good and okay with the size and body that I had, especially growing up. I think middle school is always the worst. The worst. Um, the worst. <laughs> but it really took me working through those issues. Um, I think as I got older, I started to feel better about how the way I dressed and being interested in fashion a little bit. But then especially painting myself and working in the work I'm doing now and really um, being embracing my body and being able to paint nude self-portraits and getting to that point where I just really was seeing myself and being okay with seeing myself on a wall exposed to other people and relishing in the honesty of that and being open to it and excited about it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I know we saw your work on Instagram. That's where I started seeing a lot of it. How did you get into painting? Where did that become part of that, realizing yourself and putting yourself up on the wall? Yeah. So painting and art in general has just been a huge part of my life forever. My parents signed me up for classes because I had art teachers that would say, hey, your daughter needs to, like, do more of this. (laughs) She's doing a great job in class, but she needs more stimuli, basically. My Mm -hmm. parents were in a position to be able to sign me up for classes, which is, I'm so thankful for that. And they were willing, as (laughs) one's a lawyer, one's a physical therapist, so they um, weren't necessarily in the creative (laughs) mindset, but they were down to, like, let me be creative, which was cool. Um, And just that grew over time and my love for it. And I love portraiture and I was painting myself with food, smashing to my face and eating food when I was a senior in high school, working towards my AP art class. That was my big project I decided to do. So cool. <laughs> it was such a That's weird- That's very radical. Like, it is radical. Like, to just like 17, and I don't have that anywhere online because it's from when I was 17 and I was on Facebook, but I don't like, I didn't like post that anywhere. It'd be mm-hmm. fun to like look back at those photos again or those paintings. I have them in my dad's um, storage area <laughs> in our house somewhere. But, um, yeah, which is so weird that that was kind of a project that really implemented me into, like, doing more portraiture and then really wanting to do more self-portraits and finally exposing myself and doing nude portraits and being naked in a painting. And I like to use the word naked, too, because I feel like it reduces the aura of the body a little bit. Mm. Part of what I like about painting naked people (laughs) and myself for, like, many years um, was just that... I'm naked and it's cool and we're just going to like be here in the space together and it's fine that we're just exposing that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, senior year it took me um, allowing myself to be intimate with people for the first time and allowing especially men to like see my body the way I was okay with at that point. I hadn't been okay with that until I was in my about 21, 22 and um, took things at my own pace. <laughs> but doing that and reading a lot of gender and sexuality um theory and being really excited about the works of Audre Lorde and Nomi Lamb and talking about power and how to own your body and 
live in your body and feel like you can be in a space and take up space. Yeah. Especially for large women, like you, you feel like you can't like take up the space that you want to take up. I feel like constantly when I was younger, I was apologizing for the space I was taking up and my posture yeah. reflected it, which is really damaging <laughs> to your spinal cord <laughs> and like your shoulders. Um, but I really took that and like forcing myself to really, I had these ideas to paint myself and it just, I kept holding myself back and I forced it. And I think it's just put me to where I am now. Um, had like three years of making solidly nude self portraits. It was a bit of a <laughs> shock to my family um, <laughs> when that happened, but it happened my senior year of college. It's an adult, I felt like, so mm-hmm. then I was, it was time. Um, I did that all the way through grad school, and now I'm starting to paint other women um, and other types of bodies and people that I think should be represented, other fat women that aren't just me, and other um, people that just deserve to have space. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm wondering, so, Mm -hmm. like, you were drawing, you know, your naked portraits, nude portraits, in very academic spaces. Yes. What was the reaction (laughs) to that, or what did that look like? Sometimes really positive, and sometimes not so positive. Um, I'm not going to name any names of professors or anything, (laughs) but I had some great reactions in undergrad, actually, um, getting my BFA at the University of Minnesota. I never really had pushback of, like, why are you doing this? I Mm -hmm. think... I was able to express, like, this is the first time I'm doing this, and I'm excited about it, and it's something new, and I was nervous about it. So my my mentor there, Clarence Morgan, he was the jam, and he really helped me work through the, those processes, and he was just, like, a great mentor and never questioned why I was doing it, but more, like, questioned, like, what's the best way to go about this, and, like, how can you write about this in a way that's effective and translate those things. Then moving into grad school... I like doubled down on these things and had to get much more like serious. I was getting my master's. Mm-hmm. So I have to like <laughs> get, um, I have to back my, back my stuff up. And I had some people that came across my work that felt like it was too repetitive or that they thought it was pornographic mm-hmm. or self-serving and not so much pornographic in like the, like they're too conservative. They can't handle it more. Like what's the point of me just seeing you naked? Like, is it just for other people to enjoy or is it kind of like you playing with like this pornographic idea, which I really hated um, and fought against because I just felt like why can't bodies carry the weight of sexuality, but then the bodies in themselves don't have to be sexual, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I love to have sex. Like I enjoy sexuality, but it's not the only thing that I am and not the only thing my body can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't appreciate when that's the only thing that gets reflected in like seeing my breasts or my butt or my stomach, you know? Um, so that was some comments I had to deal with a little bit. And and then the comments like, are you self-centered? Are you an egomaniac? Oh my gosh. <laughs> because, or I also got comments of, are you trying to beautify your face when I would do portraits and stuff? Hmm. Um, which is really strange. Um, I think I tried to depict my body and myself as beautiful, as not beautifully, as naturally as possible. And there's beauty in that, is what mm-hmm. I mean to say. And I definitely got comments wondering, like, if I was altering my body for the audience. It's just very strange. It's just not how I work and not how I'd ever choose to represent myself. So some those were some things. This is such a, like, very specific follow-up that I, I'm just curious. Yeah. Like, I think putting, like, bodies like yours on display in, like, big form, right? Oh, yeah, like, 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 your art is just, it's big, it's right? It's big, yeah. Um, and for, like, for fat bodies to be on the wall like that, like, and that big. is, and big, like, <laughs> that is huge. And I wonder the people who were pushing back, like, mm-hmm. were they fat people or were they people that, like, didn't no, get it? not fat people. Never, I've never had a fat person, a fat woman especially, come up and disregard the work, and actually it hasn't been women either. Mm-hmm. It's been men. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's like a lot. It's like oh, I know. confronting the male gaze 100%. <laughs> oh, and yeah. then I would, you know, turn that turn it back around like why are you uncomfortable? Yeah. Like me grabbing my ass and lifting it up a little bit, like maybe I was just like lifting my butt up a little bit. Like it's not necessarily for you to like be there. Yeah. Like like it's not inviting you to be there in the space with me like I'm just like making eye contact with you in the painting and making you look at me a little bit mm-hmm. and like have a connection. The women I've been able to work with of all sizes really have been able to connect with the work a lot more. Some men have been able to, especially if like they're larger men or older men too. Like just kind of this idea, I think your body like 
sagging and stuff. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like I definitely depict rolls and um, fat and movement a lot. Mm-hmm. And I've had some people like kind of grasp their stomach or whatever when I am painting like grasping my stomach or mm-hmm. different parts. Like I definitely have seen people kind of pantomime when I'm mm-hmm. painting, which is really beautiful. But women tend to really love the work and the advice I got from I don't know, other professors and thesis committee people. And I mean, I'm not, I haven't been in grad school now for a couple of years, but it was really impactful in that moment because it was a big transition period. And, you know, like I'm making, making paintings pretty much for women and about women right now. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not planning on only painting women forever. But when I was painting myself, like I don't need other people to be interested in this work. Like men don't have to like it. If you don't like it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But like, let me have my space to do what I want. And maybe yes. I'm not making work for you. Maybe I'm making work for people that look just like me. Yeah. And I think there's a space for that. And for anybody to make work that's for a community that they're a part of, I think that's really important. Right? We yeah. agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. Like, that's why you're here with us today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why we're in this space. Yes, yes. <laughs> right yes. now. Yeah. All of studio ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. I really appreciate you talking about the reaction from women and folks now because the question about academia I I didn't expect that I could have surmised that some of those reactions would come through Um, but for you like what kept you doing it at that point I think general feeling like I was doing a good thing anyway and 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 I will say a lot of men in my that were professors or people that I worked with in academia were all in they loved the work or were excited about the prospect of the work and me doing these large scale things and being ambitious um, was a good thing. It was just a couple pointed people that definitely didn't encourage. And mm-hmm. those people uh, had other work that they were more interested in and it wasn't figurative portraiture and it wasn't figure painting. And it, you know, I don't think it's right to necessarily be a professor and like, and not encourage all art, but people have preferences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things get expressed a certain way and it just came off sometimes just like, you just don't like this painting of a woman. I think it makes you uncomfortable and that's how it come off. Yeah. Whether or not a hundred percent that was true, it's the it's the way it was discussed and the way it felt in the room that made me feel like I was just like defending my space. Mm-hmm. And do you ever wonder, I feel like sometimes in those situations, it's like, that's if you felt that way that's definitely what was going on but like I wonder if the folks even realized that's what they were doing right like you know what I'm saying yeah I think sometimes it's like they're not even being honest with themselves about the like the the motivations behind things like that of course not I don't think I'm hoping over time and there have been discussions with some of these people that I hope um they understand how those comments came off Mm -hmm. or were able to assess from my reaction to those things because I'm not someone that usually just takes comments, especially now. I think in the past I would have just walked away and just whatever. But it's hard for those things not to affect you. And my automatic response is sometimes just anger. Mm. Um, I'm trying not to just do that <laughs> as often. Yeah. And I'm not um, an angry person by nature. It's just when I'm frustrated and I feel like indignant and just feel like such a, so wronged in that kind of mm. a space, it's hard not to clap back and you want to (laughs) but just trying to take a moment and realize that they're probably not coming from like the space that they think they that they are coming me at yeah um and trying to understand them a little bit but doesn't mean it's right it's just I sometimes try to give a little bit more space especially in the academic environment you have to kind of just like give a little bit more space it's been nice being out of there Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love having I loved my experience I had an amazing experience and had so many contacts and things I've been able to and people I've been able to know and artists I'm so thankful to know. But it's been nice being able to make my things and not feel the constant scrutiny of but why and how and back it up with this thing. Yeah. Like just make things as you want to make them, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because you've talked about your development, like mm-hmm. your AP like courses yeah. and how the, you have the cake smashed <laughs> yeah, into your face. Such a like nerdy kid by the way I just love like loves that. I love school you yeah. <laughs> like many of us can identify Actually, with that yeah all room. of us in this room right now <laughs> love school love my AP classes mm-hmm. <laughs> how has your own identity to change like where were you at mm-hmm. 17 versus where wow. you're at now especially now that you're out of that academic realm yeah I think I didn't know really what I wanted for my life mm-hmm. um I had no idea I knew I loved art 
but I didn't really understand what exactly I wanted out of that. And I, yeah, I think I was just in a, such a different place in the way I looked at myself. I didn't know what dating looked like. I didn't, I was just nervous to date any boys in high school. My God. Um, I tried a little bit with like coworkers and things, but that never panned out because I was too nervous about the whole thing. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, and to be that person that was just like, just beginning to like understand and feel good about themselves kind of, but not a hundred percent there. It really, it's crazy to see like, you know, 10 years later, you feel just such a different like comfort. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I'm out of of school now and I'm freelancing, I'm selling work, I'm being an art teacher, I'm teaching adults and children and I'm impacting different people around me, um, either with the work I'm doing or just being a instructor. Mm and being kind of a motivator in that way. And I don't know if I would have seen myself doing that the same way or having this kind of more organic work life where I'm kind of creating things that I want to and working when I need to and finding a, and not working that nine to five that I assumed I'd be working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think I knew what that even looked like. And I think I'm much happier than I ever thought I would be at that age. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so you're wrapping like, we talk about matter fat as a body positive podcast yeah. with Midwest sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got the North Dakota. Yeah. Now you're in the, <laughs> so, mid- in the Twin so Cities. Yep, yep. <laughs> what does it feel like to be living in this space or how has that shaped kind of your art or your hmm. identities in different ways? Yeah. Um, well, definitely moving to the Twin Cities was a big move for me. I mean, I did that when I was 18, so I've been here now for a long time. But being in North Dakota, just like, it, it's stifling in a lot of ways. Fargo is the big city. I'm doing air quotes to those of you that are listening. Um, big city life in <laughs> big Fargo. Big city life. <laughs> so I've always been a city girl. Um, <laughs> but the the arts opportunities in Minnesota and in Minneapolis are just like astronomically more mm. than what you would have um, in Fargo. So that's been a huge like life change and the big reason why I went to school here in the first place because I knew if I went to school somewhere else, I'd be making connections with, like, the people I don't want to be making connections with because I'll be wanting to move later anyway. Mm. So it's kind of a strategic move earlier on, um, and partially because I wanted to go to a big school and take cool classes and be, at a, be in a city. Um, but as far as the other things, I think I really identify with this, like, like Midwest, like, working hard, mm. um, the... I hate the term, like, pulling up by the bootstraps. Like, I don't have that quite 100%. I've had a lot of help from my family growing up, and um, I'm going to own that and had a lot of privilege in a lot of ways growing up. And But I think the way I move through the world and don't accept a low quality of work and have, like, a really high worth ethic and a really high expectation for myself and myself um, and what I what I bring out. Like, the way I work, even if it's a job I don't like that much, um, going to school, like, I give 100% effort, and I think that comes from family, but I think that also comes from the area that this is, and I don't Mm -hmm. know, kind of that Midwest, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm got to do it all. Totally. (laughs) You got to work really hard kind of thing, yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. What's it like being an artist in the Twin Cities insofar as, like, I don't know, I guess we're interested in how we can support local art? Just buy it. Or if you can't buy it, which I can't afford the things that I make, and a Mm. lot of artists can't, Mm. um, and a lot of creatives can't, (laughs) but what you can do if you're someone that um, isn't a maker and can't afford, like, original fine art all the time, um, you know, purchasing prints, or just sharing information, sharing your favorite artists around to your friends, Mm -hmm. sharing on Instagram, because a lot of us, are that's kind of, like, our way that we can, like, try to get marketing out. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of us have our own websites, but like websites don't just get like traffic for no reason. Like right. someone has to search your name. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Instagram, I can tag things <laughs> and make people try to come to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the thing that you can do with as someone that loves the arts and wants to be a patron in some way is just sharing with your friends and with um, people that you think would enjoy the work that you're seeing, whether that's in a professional space too. Like, hey, I see that we have like this really big 
blank space in our office like have you ever considered putting up art there like we should look at some local places or people and that doesn't always mean me with all my nude ladies like I'm sure not a lot of office spaces want my my stuff everywhere however there's so many like amazing artists around the Twin Cities because we have such a great um, we have great arts funding and grant programs within the state and because of that people just kind of flock here Mm. and so we have such a plethora of things that you can look at and instead of ordering something off Amazon or going to Ikea for art Mm -hmm. you can get something super reasonably priced here or a print of something there's so many options in this area and locally within Minnesota or like Wisconsin you know Iowa tri-state there's just a lot of things to love and I think people just need to open their eyes a little bit and work a little bit harder to search because <laughs> we can only do so much as artists trying to market ourselves. Yeah. I can only pay so much to, you know, campaign myself as much as I can. Yeah. But uh, I think what we do is just try to hustle and get in as many shows as we can, try to do a group exhibition, solo exhibitions, whatever. And it's just who you know. So the more people you know, the bigger my network gets, the better I feel about it. I can be more participatory into the space of the community. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. So that's all great information. What I'm taking away from that is buy it and share it. Buy it and share okay. it for sure. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of sharing, mm-hmm. we currently have an exhibit ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, ourselves is in a... A great art space in Albert Lee, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. A little small town right by the Iowa border. You just keep going down south and then right before Iowa. There she is, <laughs> Albert Lee. Um, and it's at the Freeborn County Arts Initiative. And, yeah, it's a t- it's called Ourselves. And it's all work I've made in the past year. It's actually all work I've made in the past, like, five months. Wow. Mo- most of it in the past four months, three months. Um, there was one painting I did over the summer <laughs> that ended up in it as well. But I work fairly quickly when I'm on a mission. That's and awesome. um, yeah, I was approached to be, to, to have work in the show. One of the people on the board is an old friend of mine, um, kind of a colleague in the arts community. She uh, is a photographer and approached me about doing a show. And it was just a really great opportunity for me to explore ideas I hadn't explored by painting other women um, and other types of bodies. And I'm now nowhere near feeling complete on that. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to capture, you know, as many types of bodies as I want to, as many ethnicities or people that, like, I feel like need space and representation. But I feel really good about the p- collection of people I've been able to work with. They've been really close friends. Family members have offered to pose for me um, and people that I wouldn't expect. <laughs> to be down um i either approached or was approached by all the women in the show they all have extremely different um backgrounds as far as how they grew up or what they do i know i have teachers i have doctors i have therapists i have um blessed dancer yeah you painted diva rose Rose. she's a friend yeah exactly um she's fabulous and we didn't know each other before i photographed her um, but she had reached out to me a year ago about liking my work at the MCAT art sale where I try to show work um, annually. And, yeah, we just kind of kept each other, kept on each other's radar mm-hmm. professionally, I think. She'd been liking my work and I've been watching all of her, like, burlesque stuff. Yeah. And, um, I knew she'd be a great person for the project if she'd be down. And she was, which yeah. was amazing. Um, and then other colleagues and stuff that I was so excited to work with. So it just was a combination of all those things. And now I'm kind of exhausted my like little network of <laughs> women, so I'm trying to branch out a little bit more, and um, that's kind of going forward this summer when I have more studio time. I'm going to be kind of doing a part two to this project. Oh, how cool! Mm-hmm. Cool. So more to see for us. Yeah, more to see. Always more. <laughs> well, we look forward to it. That's Yay. awesome. <laughs> Before we get info for everyone about like yeah. how they can follow you, how they can find all your stuff, how they can share. Mm-hmm. I want to talk quick about plus size fashion. Yeah. Because like this outfit is everything. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We're going to um, take a picture. And, clear- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and clearly like I'm into fashion and yeah. the Soraya, right? Yeah. So we want to just know like, t- give us your thoughts. Where do you like to shop? What influences your style? Mm-hmm. I just love clothes so much. And that's something I've always liked. And I think that really helped with like the ex- body acceptance journey is mm-hmm. like, Really just like really liking the clothes you wear just helps you just feel good in the world in general. But as far as clothing, 
it's hard to find pants. That's been my, my biggest struggle. Yeah. Um, and actually, which is like, this is kind of terrible, but because I know they don't have great sustainable practices, but Fashion Nova jeans are like Their great. jeans? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is, yeah, I don't know why, but I like high-waisted and it really just like hugs on the curves mm-hmm. the way I want to. And they always have the size I need in stock. Okay. <laughs> so Fashion Nova has been great. I don't think, that I, not high quality, not like sustainable, but I'm having, a, I haven't really been able to find the type of jean that I want in a lot of plus size clothing stores. Yeah. A lot of plus size jeans I've found are lower rise than I want. Mm. I want them to go like high. <laughs> to high. the belly button, to I want, the boobs. I want them to go basically to my boobs because yeah. I want to be able to wear crop tops yeah. and feel mm-hmm. and feel cool and yeah. comfortable because I'm not, I'm still not in a place where I like love to show my belly button all the time. Mm. You know, there's a space mm-hmm. <laughs> for that. But um, that and then I go to Torrid and like the classic like Lane Bryant when I need like yeah. <laughs> leggings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to do as much thrifting and vintage shopping when I can. It just I'm sure you guys know, being a plus size person, it's harder to find like vintage or like yeah. mm-hmm. thrifting things. I know that's yeah. actually something that you you have, I have going a whole on. shop full of clothes. <laughs> I know, which <laughs> no, I, but not really a lot of vintage stuff though. Yeah, and I. Like I love some vintage stuff, but it's it's I find pieces, and I'm usually yeah. more in finding like jewelry mm-hmm. or the jackets, accessories, oh, yeah. accessories yeah. things mm-hmm. to like add something to my outfit, mm-hmm. like the jacket you're wearing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just like, sorry, hi. This is something mm-hmm. from uh, Rewind in Northeast, cool. which is one of my favorite places to stop at yeah. for like shoes and bags and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just love I love fashion. Awesome, same. Thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. And just like a quick little thought about like fashion nova and sustainability and like that kind of thing yeah. like you know it is just um we could, this could be a whole nother oh, conversation it's, yeah. but it's like Something we're fat on. people who don't have access to certain things yeah so it's very difficult to kind of put expectations on folks that don't have access in the first place yeah. about like the three places we can go yeah. like i'm sure you could find jeans you want at universal standard you want to spend 90 dollars a pair that's that's you know? the thing it's more my accessibility with my income too mm-hmm. like i can't totally. afford I can't afford the amazing quality jeans that I want to afford and I want to have better practices, which is why I've in the past year I've been trying to thrift a lot more and yeah. trying to like just reuse fashion. It's but it's hard to find things like a lot of plus size women hold on to their clothes. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find plus size things or that are like really hard too, or wear them really hard. Have, yeah, because yeah, that's like my jeans. I'll never be able to donate any of them because they all, you yeah. know, burst. Yep. By the time. <laughs> a lot of people's experience. Truly. And this is not to toot my own horn, but like. You won't find jeans at any other good jeans at any other above size eighteen at any other resale no, spot with regularity ex- except for my shop. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, and I believe that, and yeah. it's because it's hard. It's hard to find something it that you really like, is. and um, that's something that I've been trying to like work on personally because I think it is really easy to just shop at the places that you know you can kind of find things mm-hmm. and it's cheap or whatever, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel good. Like it doesn't feel good yeah. to shop at Forever Twenty One or it doesn't feel good to shop at H and M or whatever. But it's hard to find those things. And I love some of the su- sustainability clothing or and I'm thinking like the brands, like the idea of them. But like they're not making things that are the shape that I want, yep. which is really unfortunate. Yeah. Like it's just you might be making them in a larger size, but I don't want to wear like a sack. Yeah. Or like a weird tie thing. Like I, I want shape and I want to show off my body the way I want to show it yeah. off or not, depending mm-hmm. on what outfit I'm wearing. But I should be able to find those things in a sustainable way and... I can't make that right now. I, I can't make yeah. my own company, but I just wish that <laughs> there was more options for those things. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I'm glad that you're make, doing the work to do um, creating a space for yeah. plus size women with Thank you. Re- resale and all those things. Yeah. And I'm happy that you are this like plus size fashion <laughs> forward person with this good outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a combination of a lot of things. Target I love it. and. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. Keeping it Midwest. No. Yeah, keeping it Midwest. Yeah, the tiny corporation of Target. <laughs> but they do have some options, especially for shoes, I feel like, that are, like, good for, like, wide width uh, and, like, all those things that are on a budget. Mm-hmm. That's my little hack for at least the summer for sandals. Target. Okay, awesome. now's the time. Mm-hmm. We want to know all yeah. the info. We want you to tell the people where they can find you so they can yeah. know more about you and share your work. Well, you can find me at erinsandsmark.com. Just my website um i'll also instagram instagram.com slash aaron sandsmark everything's just my name um those are the two best places you can email me at sandsmark aaron at gmail.com for any inquiries about work or where i'm showing next or any of that kind of stuff but yeah i try to update my website as 
when I can. And my Instagram is the way I update the most kind of do in progress work i'm always doing stories of like what i'm doing oh love and that it's yeah. beautiful yeah Honestly, thank you so beautiful. like it's i think it's really important to share kind of like before and after like the progress the of creating work because a lot mm-hmm. of people don't get to see that very mm-hmm. often artists know kind of what goes on but the broader public doesn't always get to see that and i think it's really fun to be able to like walk somebody through that process a little That's, bit yeah people love that kind of information yeah and behind then, the scenes yeah and i'm bumping music and having a good time i'll just share that with the world a little bit you know so awesome yeah we'll of course link to you in all of the show notes fabulous um and we'll take you uh so everyone can go check out your work yeah cool <laughs> that sounds great Erin, thank you for telling us your story as, as a, a matter, matter of fat. fat wow it was so great to hear from Erin. just so you know Erin closed the ourselves exhibition at the freeborn county arts initiative on may 4th so a little bit ago um, it was a fantastic show, and the Albert Lee Tribune wrote up an article about the exhibition, which you can find linked in our show notes. Yeah, Erin is currently teaching at art camps for kids and adult classes through Art of Culture and through continuing education at MCAD. Her gender, sexuality, and society through drawing and painting was such a success at MCAD this summer. Um, the last class just finished up, but they are in the process to provide it again in spring and summer of 2020. She shared that she's thrilled to create a class combining these subjects and loves being able to ask students to think critically but also respond artistically through their drawings and paintings she's so cool i've seen some of it on instagram it's very very cool awesome oh she also mentioned that she's continuing to paint and has new subjects lined up for her next paintings she's so excited to share the works in the upcoming months and we're excited to see them for sure but um in the meantime dirt Dirt and discourse It's time for the Dirt and Discourse. This is where we dive into the excitement and discomfort around relevant pop and cultural happenings. In this D&D, we're discussing who is fat and who isn't. And we honestly have more questions than answers. True. But we think it is a worthwhile conversation, and it's something that comes up fairly often, and it's probably on at least some of your minds. Yeah, so for some context, Matter of Fat has been very interesting for me personally as it's generated conversations about bodies and fat phobia in ways I never expected with people I never expected. Mm. And some I did expect, honestly. But a bit ago, I was getting dinner with two close friends and we started talking about how people may consider themselves fat, but others may not really think that or see that uh, their bodies in that way. And it generated a really good set of questions. Who is fat and who isn't? Is it harmful or helpful to claim that in certain environments? And honestly, who decides who is fat? Uh, So good conversation. Very tricky for me because I can't speak for everyone. I was the biggest person in that conversation and I also have a podcast on this. So (laughs) I should probably be able to say something smart. The consensus at the end of that was that there are no clear-cut rules, but there are some serious things to consider when questioning how you engage with the fat community. So we're not here to say, like, who's fat and who isn't fat. Um, We're not the ones who get to decide this. But we do want to talk about how we think about it and, like, where we start to draw some lines. I think most people struggle with their bodies or their body image, body size, like, in some way or another. We do, after all, live in a world that is obsessed with beauty standards and deeply entrenched in diet and weight loss culture. Mm -hmm. And also, folks living in larger bodies experience this stuff more often and in more extreme ways. It's like experiencing it in kind of a systematic way on a bigger societal scale rather rather than just in terms of like your personal relationship with your body. Mm -hmm. So I know this isn't how all people define this or these words, but for me, it makes a lot of sense to think about body positivity as being for all people, people of every shape, every size, every ability. I see fat liberation, though, as like for fat people exclusively uh, and because it like more explicitly pushes back against fat phobia. Fat phobia is something that can impact all of us, but most directly impacts and endangers fat people. So like a way you might think about this, it's not exactly the same, of course, but if you think about racism, I'm a white person. Racism impacts me and how I live my life, but it's not putting me in like danger. It's not impacting me in the same way or with such, with severity in the way that it impacts people of color. Yeah. I mean, everybody has a story as a matter of fact. Exactly. And like that's the reason why someone in a smaller body might be suffering at a Weight Watchers meeting or a person might be uncomfortable being intimate with their partner for fear of like exposing their body. But stuff like that is just, like, not the same as being denied a job or getting paid less because of the assumptions made about you because of your body, like that you are lazy or undisciplined or don't care about yourself, so how could you care about your job? Yikes. Yikes. 
it's not the same as a medical provider sending you home and telling you to lose weight like when you actually have a tumor. It's not the same as going into a clothing store and not being able to find anything that can like literally cover your body, let alone let alone suits your expression or your style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the larger your body, the more marginalization you're likely to experience. So someone living in a larger body is going to face more stereotypes and harm being placed on them right. by external forces. This also changes based on where you are like physically, but also geographically, what country, city you live in. Also, the community society you're a part of at any given time. And we kind of talked with that about Erin and her experiences. It can be further impacted by the identities you hold. Like someone's fat uh, experience as a fat, straight, white man might be different than a fat, non-binary person of color. Uh, hold on to your horses, everybody. It's intersectional. Hey. Oh, honestly, welcome to the matter of fat drinking game. It's hot out. Take a sip of water, y'all. We said intersectional. <laughs> Onto regularly scheduled programming. I love Matter of Patrick. He came with oh awesome. Okay, so just speaking for myself, the owner of a plus size shop, I often look at body size in terms of clothing as a place to give some sort of guidance for like who might be considered fat and who might not be. And y'all, I know it's not a perfect science. Sizes can be, well, so no, sizes are incredibly mm-hmm. arbitrary. There's this whole weird like in between of sizes 12 to 16 that often is like kind of on the edge of plus size, but not plus size, but it depends what brand, you know, I get it. People's proportions are also different. Like our bodies kind of show up in different ways. And still, I would just really encourage folks too small to shop at standard plus size stores regularly. Like if you're claiming fat identity to really interrogate that and to see if it's an identity that like you hold today. This to me is super hard because the system or the size of an garment is arbitrarily set by a corporation or the fashion industry, like Kat said, an external entity telling me who or what I am. However, where it starts to make sense is when I consider that those sizes and garments are harder to source and find, not because of need, but because of marginalization of the physical size Mm -hmm. of fat people. That's where I think the line of whether or not your fat physically settles. Can you go into many brick and mortar stores and find something that covers your body? Can you maybe go to one? Must you actually order online and hope that it works? Is having a personal style a luxury based on access to something that will fit you? This conversation feels larger and more complex than some X's on a tag, uh, especially considering how our internal beliefs versus like the physical realities exist, which, to be honest, we're not broaching completely in this conversation. You know, others may be able to speak to disordered eating or body dysmorphia, and I just wonder how the spectrum of body neutrality or body positivity works for internalized beliefs versus fat liberation. Yeah. I also wonder, like, if sometimes for people it might feel like the fat community is a club you can't be part of. But at the end of the day, I do maintain, like, it's okay for some spaces to be rooted in identity that are not for everyone. Those who've been marginalized or left out uh, from, like, specific spaces have every right to, like, be reclaiming that space for themselves and making it exclusively their own. I think it would behoove folks of all sizes to acknowledge their privilege. Bow, bow, bow. Take another <laughs> sip of that water or preferred beverage, folks. We mentioned privilege. Yes, yeah, so to acknowledge privilege in terms of body size, but also other identities that they embody. Like, So, for instance, I don't experience life as a super fat person, so I need to acknowledge that privilege and work to show up and, advoca- and advocate for folks who are. And maybe the question doesn't necessarily have to be, do I get to identify as, but how can I speak up? So those questions, like to acknowledge what size of body you live in at present and to use any privilege you're granted for that to stand up against fat phobia. Yeah, like the unfortunate truth is that fat folks might not be taken as seriously as those in smaller bodies around advocating for fat issues. For instance, like if someone who fits relatively comfortably in an airplane seat is griping about how the seats are just getting smaller and they're taking all the money and squeezing us on the planes, like that might be met more positively than someone who doesn't fit comfortably in that seat griping about just the same thing. When someone who's fat, or excuse me, when someone who isn't fat pushes back against a comedian making fat jokes, like that feels powerful Mm -hmm. when a thin friend insists on sitting in a table with armless chairs rather than in a booth when out to dinner instead of the fat friend having to be the one to say so like that's allyship in action Mm -hmm. so much like our previous episode we've got a lot of questions and maybe not as many answers more you know areas to consider so our hot takes from all of this conversation uh one 
Body positivity and body neutrality are for everyone, and fat liberation is specific to fat folks. Two, fat phobia endangers everyone, but impacts larger people more often than those living in smaller bodies. And three, think critically about the privileges you have, how you're showing up, and how you can be combating fat phobia. And that's it, huh? That's it. Dirt and discourse, baby. Boom, boom. Take another sip. There you have it, friends. Hope you enjoyed the Dirt and Discourse turned hydration station game. <laughs> and our interview with local artist Aaron Sandsmark. And our personal dish in the fat dish. Just another reminder that the KFAI Pledge Drive is going on July 31st to August 6th, 2019. We hope you'll contribute if you're able. And please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen. We'd also love for you to join our friends and fans Facebook group. Catch us in two weeks for another episode of Matter, Matter of Fat. Fat. Let's get out of this.